Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. I find there is a certain spirit that I look for in my guests. Not everyone wants to or is comfortable coming on a show like this and sharing their journey with tidbits of wisdom and advice thrown in, but that's exactly what we need. We need guests willing to share more than what we can read on their resume or LinkedIn profile. We need guests who are willing to go there. People that will share their bigger thoughts, advice, nuggets of change through their journey, and dig into more than just their career moves, but rather their how and their why. Every once in a while, I ask our private Facebook group, which if you haven't joined yet, come on, you should. Just search for the Work and Sports Podcast on Facebook and join in. It's a great network. Anyway, every once in a while, I will post a question asking our audience there who their favorite guest was of all time. And while there's generally a wide range of responses, people, you know, respond to their own niche or certain things that intrigue them, there are, there's a pattern that emerges. There's about 10 episodes that I could, I could tell you beforehand would be the most popular. They aren't always the biggest names. They are the ones willing to go there and share their deepest insights, motivations, change moments, and share. Really, really share. These are the moments that inspire me. Those are the episodes that drive me deeper and further for all of you listening. But how do you find these people? This is what I sit back and think of all the time. In two years of doing this show, how do you figure out the pattern? How do you find those people willing and able to share real insight? I used to have this process where I'd send out about 20 invites a week. That was how I kind of went about it. I said, okay, send out 20 invites a week to different people, randomly selected, barely researched, do this 20 and you'll get some responses. Well, in that way, my success rate was about 10%. You know, like one or two out of 20 would, would respond positively and we'd get it scheduled. But it didn't have enough intention for me. And I looked at it and said, this isn't the right way. There's got to be a better way. I think of it as like um, people that are early in sales careers are told to make 100 calls a day, 100 calls a day, get on the phone 100 times a day. And sometimes those benchmarks aren't really what success looks like. It's more about the quality of the conversations and the research done beforehand and the way that you can get in with somebody and make sure they're the right fit. It's not a direct comparison, not the greatest analogy, but I kind of was looking at it like, I don't know, having this standard of 20 calls a week or 20 invites a week isn't what's doing it. So for 2020, I, I completely changed my process and the results have been very different. So how did I do it? Well, how do I find these people? Twitter. I'm being totally serious. Okay, so I'm being somewhat flippant, but it's totally serious too. Over the last three months, I've seen about 10 new products, podcasts launch, which are focused on sports career advice. So maybe I shouldn't share my secret formula, but you know, what the hell? I, I, seriously, it seems like every week I'm seeing a new podcast pop up that's about interviewing people about their sports careers, but... All right, that's fine. I can handle the competition. Bring it. Anyway, this is how I, it works, right? I start on LinkedIn. I research companies, people, and their roles. Because in my mind, it has to kind of start with some experience and credibility, right? Of course, I interview all types of people. People are just getting started in their career, people that are further in their career. But it starts on LinkedIn to realize that they have something to offer. I read, I research, and then... 
I go to Twitter and I look at their personal accounts. You see, what I've found is that on Twitter, I think you tend to see a little more about someone's spirit, passion, and enthusiasm. What are they willing to share and talk about? What subjects do they want to dig into? What's important to them? And how do they go about sharing it when it's not necessarily under the brand name of their organization? Sometimes you also find out they are a horrible person and you are glad you didn't ask them to be a guest. That has happened many times, unfortunately. So I'll give you an example of what I mean using today's guest, Sean Haubmeyer from the PGA Tour. Okay. I was searching for people at the PGA Tour and I like to make sure I cover different sports teams and leagues and organizations and businesses. And, you know, it's spring slash summer. So it's a good time for a little bit of golf talk. I see Sean with a pretty cool title, Director of Advanced Advertising. And I'm like, all right. I asked myself, self, what does a Director of Advanced Advertising do? And I had no answer. That makes it interesting. So right there, I'm like, oh, cool. We can dig into a new area. I don't know what a Director of Advanced Advertising does. Let's figure this out. Let's share this with our audience. So right there, I'm peaked. So then I head over to Twitter and I looked for Sean. His pinned tweet on his profile is an article he wrote breaking down his first 10 years in the sports industry. Okay, good start. Someone willing to share and give back and give a little insight into their journey. Awesome. Then the next thing I see, he posts three skills to acquire to be valuable to your employer. Number one, always be learning. Number two, be curious. Number three, be vocal. Have an opinion. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Someone with a willingness to share guidance and advice. Okay, good. This is awesome. Next thing I see. This is why walled gardens are so insanely effective for marketers. They have your identity via login, the license, but they also have the full wallet of essentials based on your activity on their platforms. And I think, okay, I have no idea what that means, but I see a willingness to get into the weeds of his role and explain things and a passion for like talking about what he does. This is the ultimate mix. Somebody with experience. He's had over 10 years in the industry doing a very interesting job, something a lot of us don't know a lot about. He shares, shows a willingness to share and to give advice and then also give some real deep insight into the weeds of his role. I'm feeling good now, right? I use both those platforms to research and vet my, my person. All right. I look on the internet. I do a little, a little more research to double check everything. After that, I make the invite and I cross my fingers. Thankfully, Sean and about 90% of the people I reach out to when I do this level of research and intentional booking say yes. And we're all lucky for it. I was at a 10% success rate. Now I'm closer to 90 because I changed my process, put a little bit more effort into the research. Think about that for yourself. What ways can you change your process, add more research, add more intention and get better results? All right, well, let's get into the conversation with Sean, and you can think about that in the background. Here is Sean Haubmeyer, Director of Advanced Advertising for the PGA Tour, which means we're going to do a lot of talking about revenue optimization. This is a big topic. Hey, Sean, how's it going today? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to talk to you because you have an interesting role in the industry that I think more people need to learn about. I want to get into your backstory. There's so many things I want to talk about, but let's get into the now. Your current title is Director of Advanced Advertising at the PGA Tour. It sounds cool. It sounds modern. It sounds awesome. But um, what, is, what is it? <laughs> what does it mean to be the Director of Advanced Advertising? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely a unique role, and it's, 
it's one that has me focusing on a couple different strategic areas. Um, I'll try to break it down. I think first and foremost, it's, it's really all things ad product strategy and innovation. So what does that mean? That means, you know, anytime we are doing a distri distribution deal or working on a different platform, it, it's really focused on what is the monetization strategy uh, for those for those platforms. And that could mean, you know, what are the ad formats? How do they work? Where do they run? Why do we run them? You know, is it things that buyers and advertisers are looking for? Um, it's really always just trying to focus on staying cutting edge, uh, making sure we're delivering for our partners. Um, and things of that nature. And then also, it's really getting into the realm of data-driven advertising, um, which is really talking about how we're leveraging fan data. Uh, and that could be through when we're selling to sponsors or selling to our partners, how are we leveraging our data for more for better targeting? Um, or also on the buy side, it's how is our marketing team leveraging our data to you know do things that we want to do, whether that's selling tickets or selling a subscription or what have you. So... Uh, and also, it's it's really talking about, you know, the emergence of programmatic. I mean, it's certainly been around for several years now, but it, it still changes to this day. And so it's really understanding, you know, the more effective ways of buying and selling media. So sort of gone are the days, not necessarily gone, they still certainly exist today, but it's less about doing, you know, paper IOs with, with buyers and it's, you know, leveraging the tools and capabilities out there to buy media at scale more efficiently um, and better targeting and, and all of that fun stuff. So, um, and then lastly, there's, there's kind of this area of advertising analytics. And we, we sort of look at it both through the buy side and the sell side lens. And so when we're looking at any forms of media, it's understanding what's working, what's not, um, you know, how do we innovate over time, whether that's introducing a new format, um, working with a different partner in the space that ultimately helps us solve problems. So it's definitely a role that keeps me busy. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's certainly unique in my role in that I, I, I do look at it both from the buy side and the sell side lens, which, which is certainly awesome. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the skill sets that's used here. Cause what I hear from you saying a lot is it sounds like there's a lot of data and numbers crunching to really understand where opportunities are, but it also sounds like there's a lot of creativity and innovation that has to go into it as well. Is that kind of an accurate depiction? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, it's, it's a tough area to learn about in a classroom. Let's just put it that way. I mean, I think it's, it's a role that requires, a, you know, a certain level of curiosity, someone who is you know, analytical thinking, um, someone who's a strategic thinker that's always kind of seeking, you know, what's next, how do we innovate, how do we evolve, um, and that sort of thing. So, okay, clearly there's an emphasis on the digital experience and the, and the new streaming technologies and the new opportunities and looking for revenue optimization paths. That's awesome. I get it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's cool to understand that the audience that we, you have isn't just watching on their you know, set-top TV, that there's other ways that they're consuming your information and there's other ways to reach them. There's a very specific skill set that goes along with this. There's different terminology. There's different success metrics. There's different approaches. How did you get to a point where you learn this part of the sports world? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I would say, you know, first and foremost, trial by fire. Um, you know, I, I hate to admit it. You know, it's, there's, there's probably not much that I do today on the day-to-day -day that I learned in school. Um, okay. You know, it's something, you know, through repetition and sort of having that, you know, that level of curiosity and that, that high level of interest in the space overall that sort of carries you through. It's, it's, so it's definitely an area where you just you learn by doing. Um, it's it's not 
a function that you're going to read a textbook and you're going to, you know, you may be able to memorize, you know, the multitude of acronyms in the space and you may understand high level topics and trends, but in terms of actually really getting a, a deep understanding, you just have to kind of dive right in. So is this what you always envisioned for yourself? I mean, you went to University of Iowa. Um, was this the idea when you were in school to get into you know, digital marketing and advertising in sports or, or was this just something that happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, this, 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 this definitely just happened. Um, so not even close. You know, when I was, when I was in school, I was probably like a lot of students where I really just wanted to work in sports. Um, honestly, looking back probably for the wrong reasons. You know, I, I loved playing sports growing up, loved being around the game. I always thought that would just be a fun path to go. Didn't really have a great, you know, idea of what that meant. Um, so, I mean, coming out of school or even in school looking for internships, for example, like I would just apply everywhere, really kind of that spray and pray approach, hoping to kind of get that first opportunity. And, um, I mean, although if I had to pick something, I, I probably, I always envisioned myself doing more of the event operations type role. I always love going to live events, seeing you know, the lights and the sounds and the production and all kind of like the back end of how things work. Um, that probably most fans don't really even think about, but all the work that's going on behind the scenes and, um, I guess you could, you could kind of say I started going that route. I, I had an internship with a champion tour golf tournament doing event operations where, you know, it was building the hospitality structures and working with the vendors. So it was kind of going that realm. Um, but then I definitely took a hard pivot. <laughs> yeah. So that, that didn't, that didn't last long. I found myself in the media space, um, a couple of years after that and haven't looked back. How did that happen? Just to break into it, because generally speaking, most of the employers that I speak with, they say, look, we're looking for specific skill sets that people have. And then we want to make sure that they have the right cultural fit. And then we want to expand upon those things and lean into what they're good at and whatever. If you didn't really have this core baseline knowledge, did the PGA Tour just kind of take a chance on you? Or how did this kind of come about? <clears throat> yeah, so I... After that internship, um, golf was always kind of my sport growing up. So okay. I, well, I was certainly applying for a ton of different things. Um, definitely still had an interest in staying with golf. And so I had reached out to the tour um, just mostly through kind of a cold email, to be honest. Uh, again, it was kind of that spray and pray approach, just kind of hoping I'd get a response from somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and thankfully I did. I, I connected with a senior executive there and had a great conversation. Um, unfortunately, it was, it was really more informational at that time. There was no opportunity waiting on the other end. But um, through, you know, just making that connection and keeping in touch over probably over about a year's time, a um, couple follow-ups throughout that time, they actually happened to reach out when they had an entry-level position open within the corporate partnerships group. And obviously, at that time, I was in no position to say no. Right. Uh, it was an immediate, immediate yes after I went through the interview process. Um, so I started really doing more corporate sponsorships, managing the season long relationships with, um, brands like FedEx or MasterCard or Rolex, um, doing, working to activate that across whether it's tournaments or media or through our TPC network. It was really more higher level sponsorship activations, not so specific to, you know, the nuts and bolts of media, if you will. That's crazy then. So, okay. So it sounds like you'd be an advocate for getting in with an organization that you feel passionate about and then kind of seeing where the path takes you because it's not a straight line from corporate sponsorships to where you are now, but just being within the PGA tour gave you an opportunity to prove yourself and, and move up from there. Is that kind of how that worked out? Yeah. I mean, I would say that's definitely 
you know, it's, it's always going to be helpful to get your foot in the door somewhere. Um, so for sure, I can't argue against that. I, I would say, you know, being in the position that I'm in now and kind of looking back, um, you know, it, it is, it still surprises me to this day that, you know, the level of work that we do now on, on sort of this revenue operations path, you know, frankly, just is not talked about. <laughs> um, yeah. People, not only in sports, but in all of media that I've come across and I've talked to, nobody has a dream in college to work in media operations, not a single person. It's, it's just a role that people sort of find their way to by luck. And, yeah. you know, it's not for everyone, but the people that, that have stuck with it definitely find it a, a very valuable career path. Okay, so I tend to think that what you're doing is very prevalent in other businesses and other industries. A lot of industries have been, uh, you know, media operations teams and and uh, revenue optimization and all the things that you're talking about from a digital standpoint. And yet it feels like the sports industry has been kind of slow to adapt and move in that area. I'm sure you hold a uh, role in hiring staff and developing a team of people on the advanced advertising and digital side of the PGA Tour. So in your perspective, as you continue down this path and as you're meeting new people coming out of college or getting experience, um, are schools doing enough to teach this skill set? Is this something that's being focused on? Because it does feel like this is a future growth sector of every sports organization. And yet I would, I would guess it's not being focused on enough as far as teaching and training and developing people for these roles. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. You know, I'll start by saying I'm 11 years removed from school now, so it is certainly possible there are programs out there that are are getting more into the details that I'm just not aware of. But, you know, from what I've seen and from the people that I've talked to, like, I would certainly say no, not enough is being done. Um, To me, it seems like, you know, going through school and, you know, just trying to think back to the classes that I took, you know, they were very much more higher level, very broad terms. You know, you, you sort of pick your your area of focus, whether that's, you know, marketing or advertising or analytics certainly has gained a lot of popularity over the last several years, um, or journalism, you know, the list could go on and on. And, and even like specific sports, like even a sports management, you know, major, you know, it, it really hardly scratches the surface in terms of the different paths that you can go on. And, um, you know, I think one of the, the biggest challenges in digital is that it changes so fast. Right. And so, you know, I can totally understand and appreciate why it's a difficult subject to teach in schools because, you know, you frankly can't write a textbook on it. You know, by the time you write it and send it to the publisher and try to get it printed, you're going to have to rewrite the book. And so it's, it's definitely not an easy subject to teach because it is very tactical in nature. The platforms are always involving, the tools are being, you know, launched left and right. Um, and so it's a lot to, a lot to keep up on, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's, areas that we can improve on to prepare students for that path earlier on. So let's say that you're in the position where you're hiring and you're looking for somebody to fill a role on your team or in your group or whatever it may be, or just you're part of the hiring process. What are you looking for? Like what are those skill sets that stand out to you? Are you looking for somebody with, you know, certain specific things or a more broader based on overall knowledge? What kind of is that person that fits in this role or what, personality traits that could really start to grow in this position? Sure. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I would say first and foremost, it's, it's honestly impossible. You're, you're not going to find a candidate 
that comes in day one and has, you know, that perfect level of experience and knowledge on the space. And that's definitely, and that's no knock on school. That's no knock on students. Frankly, that's just the nature of the industry. Um, meaning, you know, when we go to conferences and, and you're talking to people with decades of experiences, we're, we're, we're still learning something new every day. And so, you know, just by nature of the people that work in this industry, it's, it's a group of problem solvers. It's, it's people that love a good challenge that, you know, try solving things. And, um, you know, the industry certainly throws a lot of curveballs at you. And so it's, it's being able to sort of adapt on the fly and, and innovate and, and all of that. So, I mean, with that said, I mean, I think more important to me, you know, when I'm hiring and, and things that I'm looking for, it's, you know, again, it's having that level of curiosity someone who, you know, is always learning new things, is surfacing new insights, it's finding new opportunities. Um, it's, you know, to be in that solutions-driven role, you know, that is tasked with that innovation, you know, that's that's certainly critical. And then also, you know, being analytical-minded, um, you certainly, you don't have to be an analyst, you don't have to be overly technical, I don't need you to run SQL queries and all that fancy stuff. Um, there's certainly a role for that, but on my team specifically, you know, that's definitely not what it is. It's, it's more so, you know, someone who can at least think strategically, um, can leverage data to extract, you know, the, the insights that you need to get out of it and then ultimately go action upon it. Um, you know, not so much someone who, you know, can build a dashboard or can aggregate reporting, someone who can actually look at the dashboard and make sense of it. Um, or more importantly, you know, go to that person that's more technical that can build you that and ask them the right questions that they can, you know, look at the data the right way to make sense of it. And so, um, and also just kind of always asking why, right? You know, in everything that you do, always ask why. And I think by doing this, you know, you can, you're constantly learning, you're, you're developing a deeper understanding for how things work and why things work the way that they do. And I think like, that just kind of helps you learn as you go throughout um, and, can, and can serve you well. The landscape, then, I mean, I oh, go ahead. Sorry, just, I jumped in there. I was going to say, just, just last, I mean, obviously, you know, in my world, you know, having a passion for advertising, and I think, you know, in broad terms, it, it's a little bit generic, right? Because a lot, I think a lot of times in schools, for example, if you major in advertising, a lot of times it's going to look at it through the lens of, of the buy side, whether you work at a brand or an agency, it's, you know, how are you buying advertising or building an advertising campaign? Um, but it's also kind of thinking about it from kind of that sell side lens too. Like how is advertising sold? Um, whether you work for a, a sports league or a team or a publisher, I mean, there's a lot of different use cases there. And so it's really just kind of having a passion for advertising as a whole and sort of understanding the, the full ecosystem. You're obviously dealing with a very fluid world. As you said earlier, the technology is constantly changing, the approaches are changing, the tools are changing. Um, when you are presented with new avenues, new streaming platforms, new advertising potential places, uh, how are you able to vet and know what's worth it and what's not? Because I feel the same thing happens in, let's say, the social media world where new platforms are popping up. But how do you know one's the next Snapchat versus one's the next, you know, whatever ubiquitous channel that never got off the ground? You know, like, how are you able to go through a process of understanding what's worth it? Yeah, I, mean, I would say it's, from my perspective, I'm, I'm not necessarily vetting the platforms. So there's a, there's a different, you know, media business development group internally on our side that is doing those, that type of work. You know, from my end, it's really more you know, once we're doing a deal with a platform or we're distributing content somewhere, it's, it's really then thinking about it from a monetization perspective. So yeah. how do we integrate, 
our partners into that content or onto that platform in a way that would be of value to them. And so to that end, it's really more, you know, there's, there's, it's not an easy answer. I mean, I think, you know, you bounce around the space, you understand what other publishers or other entities are doing. You understand kind of, you know, what the trades are saying about certain types of formats, um, you know, how our, formats innovating over time and then ultimately the buy side will be very quickly to tell you what's working and what's not <laughs> um, yeah. whether or not they're willing to buy something and so i think like it's it's never going to be a, a set in stone sort of off the shelf offering i think those days are a little bit gone i think it requires that level of creativity and you know evolution to always make sure you're delivering uh for the brand's goals ultimately so i talk to hiring managers and talent acquisition managers across sports all the time and they tell me over the last year, especially, there's been this deep focus on the trend being towards any job that can help us understand how to make more money or spend our money more effectively, which in layman's terms sounds exactly like what you're talking about, right? So the business <laughs> analyst, uh, revenue, revenue optimization. Um, but it sounds like you and everybody else doing these roles backdoored their way into it. Like nobody actually set into this with a goal of being in these roles. How do we change that mentality? How do we get people focused in that area earlier and understanding the upside and value in these roles and that the growth potential is really there? For sure. I mean, yeah, and I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, as, as someone who has hired people or, or tried securing headcount, it is incredibly difficult these days, uh, you know, specifically in this environment, but really at any time. I mean, it's, you, you have to have a crystal clear justification for, for, for why you need that role. And ultimately, if that role is going to support making money, uh, it makes that ask a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, and, that, and that's the nice thing about revenue operations is that, you know, it doesn't have to be specific to advertising. I know that's, I've been focusing a lot on that, but I mean, there's definitely other forms of that, whether that's, you know, sponsorship or affiliate marketing or licensing or e-commerce. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can make money and there's operational roles that are kind of behind the scenes that help make sense of that. And so, you know, there really are a lot of paths that you can go. Um, but I would say, you know, how to get people to focus on it earlier. I mean, I would think, you know, first and foremost, you know, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, whether, even if you don't have any desire to, you know, go start your own company, for example, you know, being able to think like an entrepreneur and, you know, be that strategic thinker and someone who's out looking for opportunities and, and having that sort of creative mindset and understanding how that can be used in any role <laughs> is so valuable to companies. And um, it allows them to stay competitive and drive results. Ultimately, if you have people in your organization that, that can do that. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not saying school isn't important by any means, but, you know, one thing that I would love to see is, is schools taking a, a slightly different approach. And what I mean by that is, you know, less classroom learning uh, and, and a little bit more on, on sort of the technical on the job training. And, you know, I've, I've never really understood this existing internship model that we have in place, which is, you know, essentially that internship season, which is in the summer, uh, you know, school, schools are closed and then students go out and take an eight week internship and then go back to school and sit in a lecture hall. And so, you know, what I would, what I would like to see is really kind of finding a better balance between, you know, sort of that trade school mentality, as well as, you know, kind of mixing that in with traditional colleges and universities where, um, you know, we're offering students more of that ability throughout the entire year to do some form of work with real companies. Um, you know, whether you call that an internship or not, uh, just really exposing them more to the different paths ongoing. And that, and that 
becoming more of a foundational element to the class load. It's, it's less about, you know, higher level learning out of a textbook and through lecture halls and, and more so exposing them to real life <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot we can do there. I, I totally agree. And I think that the school business model has to change or just their approach or their overall deliverability of knowledge. It just needs to be done in a different way. We need to adjust to the times. And I agree with you. A lot of it needs to be on, on spot, on, uh, on location with the employers and really digging in there and having more of a experiential learning uh, style, which I think would be great. I will say I was hired for my first job at CNN Sports Illustrated um, because I had a very specific skill set. And everybody on this listening to this podcast heard me tell the story a hundred times, so I won't get through it again. But I had a tactical tool I was able to use that was in demand at the time. I tell everybody in our audience all the time that they need to understand the research and the techniques and the tools that are in vogue in their niche and master those because that's how their resume will help start to stand out, right? Because so when somebody's looking for somebody with a specific skill set, they'll have it. Um, so in your world, are there certain tactical tools or trainings or certifications that can help someone stand out and, and say, okay, this person is, is going down the right path. They have the right basic concepts that we can work with here. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, I'll answer this kind of through the advertising and, and website slash publisher realm. But, you know, at a minimum, you know, understand the most common advertising platforms. And in the world we live in today is, is really Facebook and Google. So, you know, at a minimum, you know, have an understanding of how media is bought and sold, understand their, their ad platforms and tools. Um, and the good thing is, is you don't have to work for a company to do this. You know, both of these companies have countless hours of materials and video tutorials, training certificate programs um, that you can be leaning into now. And a vast majority of it is free, <laughs> uh, which is great. And I think, yeah. you know, there, and there's also plenty of other companies out there in the advertising technology space that, that do offer certificate programs. You know, for example, the Trade Desk, which is a, a demand-side platform for media buyers, um, you know, they have their Edge Academy that offers many resources on their platform, but also just like the programmatic media space as a whole. Um, so there's there's a ton of material out there. and um, But better yet, I mean, I think with how fast this, this all changes, and I'm, I'm definitely a big believer in sort of the, the trial-by-fire approach, and I think the best way to learn is by doing is, you know, start a blog. Uh, you know, it doesn't even matter what the content is. Starting a blog can give you sort of that basic level understanding of, of how do websites work, how are ads integrated, how do websites make money. Again, it doesn't have to come from advertising. It can come from, you know, affiliate partnerships or if you're selling products. Like, there's a lot of different things. But just starting to understand it on the day-to-day -day level and, and it can just be your side passion project. And I think, like, when it comes to you know, building your resume or going through an interview process that just being able to speak to like, I've done that. I've, I've learned it. And I, and through that experience, I've, I know this is what I'm passionate for. I, I mean, I definitely think it, it'll make you look a lot better. That's great advice. So I'm in the business of helping people find their career path in sports, what I do. And I, and I loved a quote you had in an article that you wrote where you said, having a dream to work in sports is too vague. Sports is an industry not a profession. Now, I love that quote. It's great. I'll probably steal it. Um, <laughs> what were you trying to get across with that plea? Well, first, I will say I stole it from someone else, so I can't take credit oh. for it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, really, I, it was, it's really just honing in on the, the importance of finding your niche. And I think, you know, sports 
at its core is really just an industry. It is it is a platform where there are countless different paths that you can go. And so, you know, I think just, you know, saying that you want to work in sports is, is I mean, you could find so many different parallels of different industries, but it's just, it's way too vague. And so, you know, I'll speak for myself. When I was in that position in school, you know, no doubt I was taking the spray and pray approach. I was applying for any job I could, emailing anyone I could find, you know, really just looking for that first way in. And, and I, and a lot of people have to do that because it's so competitive and it's so difficult. But, you know, I think, you know, if we can ultimately expose students earlier and, and really help them understand the different paths that they can go, I'm, I'm such a believer that this, you know, can allow them to have fewer but deeper engagements on the networking front. So, you know, rather than wasting time sending 500 cold emails or applying for hundreds of jobs just to try to get one response, like, how can we help them really focus on 50, right, that are higher quality in the area that they're super passionate about? Um, it just helps them sort of realign their, you know, how they invest their time and their energy appropriately. And I, you know, I think the challenge, it's, it's not all on students. It's also, you know, the challenge is on, you know, professionals and educators and schools and, and how are we helping students find that path? And I, and I think that's ultimately where we need to focus efforts first and foremost, and then hopefully the rest is on students at that point. But <clears throat> I absolutely 100% could not agree with you more. I think that's perfect. I saw another quote from you on Twitter. Um, matter of fact, it's one of the reasons I reached out to schedule this interview is because I read it and I thought, all right, this guy, he gets it. I liked what he's saying here. You shared how people in the business, those of us that have been doing it for a long time, should be helping those trying to enter it, especially in this time with COVID. You had a message about the importance of, of sports mentorships right now, uh, and how we can all do a better job. Can you explain that a little bit? How, can, how we can all do a better job and what your thought process was between what people are dealing with right now, what young professionals are dealing with right now, and how we can help them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, I think this, this really alludes to my earlier comment just about like the general flaw that I see in the internship model uh, in that it's seasonal. And I've never, again, I've never fully understood that. So, you know, I'm just a big believer in that, you know, there's so much more we can do as an industry to foster these student relationships all the time versus only in the eight weeks. And I think given the circumstances that we're in, you know, it's really unfortunate that many students are losing that ability to intern. And so, I, you know, I, I don't think that has to be a reason why, they don't, you know, gain any learning system, right? I think, you know, the reality is companies are still working. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of sports entities have a lot less to do right now because, you know, because there are no sports. Um, hopefully that'll change very soon. But you know, I think, you know, getting up just a little bit of your time and taking a Zoom call or having a phone call once a week or every couple of weeks, you know, I think will add so much value to students and, and really kind of helps to, make strides in that area of helping them understand the different paths that they can go. And I think, you know, one trend that I think I would like to see come of this is, you know, the rise of remote work, right? And I think a lot of companies are realizing that a lot of stuff can be done remote. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, having an internship and being able to go in a physical office with a company is, is clearly valuable. But I think what could be really cool out of all of this is, you know, this idea of, whether you call it an internship or just, you know, ha giving students the ability to work for the company that they desire from afar, um, whether that's, you know, an ongoing sort of remote arrangement or just whether, it's, again, more of that mentorship model where, 
you know, we just, you know, meet with them weekly or every couple of weeks. I just think it, it can unlock a lot of doors where, you know, in my perspective, you know, I was from Iowa, right? I always wanted to work in sports. Well, frankly, there's not a lot of sports opportunities in Iowa. And so, right. but that doesn't necessarily have to deter you from, you know, let's say you want to work for Vox Media for SB Nation. I don't, I don't want to go live in New York, but maybe, you know, in this future world um, where, where this is all going is, you know, there could be a lot more opportunities for students to, you know, really broaden their horizons and, and go down different paths. I love that perspective. I think there's a, definitely a role where those of us who've established ourselves in the industry need to do more with mentorship. That's something that um, we've strived to do. We have a private Facebook group that a lot of people that listen to this podcast are a part of, and it's this really great way for me to share and to talk and to help and answer questions, but at the same point, to be able to have people helping themselves too and helping each other, building their network and just having that interconnectivity, which I think can be so powerful. Um, we'll finish up with this. If you were on one of these mentorship style calls with a young professional in industry, what's the big message you'd want to get across to them? Yeah, I'd say, I, you know, I'd really try to dig in and understand what moves them. You know, I'm making the assumption that, you know, there's a lot of students that may not know exactly the route that they want to go. So it's, you know, really trying to help them, you know, ask the right questions and understanding what type of work gets them excited, you know, what challenges them, what motivates them to want to work in sports. So again, it's going back to the earlier comment around, you know, sports is an industry, it's not a profession. So it's like, it's really asking the questions in a way that that helps them answer that for themselves. And so, you know, at this stage, it's it's really trying to provide them the direction and expose them to certain types of roles, you know, even if it's not something, you know, even if it's not a role that I specifically are involved in on my day to day, I'm definitely in a position where, you know, I understand a lot of the different types of roles that we have in the organization. So, you know, and also, you know, exposing kind of what the emerging trends are, where, where is the space going? Where are areas that students can focus and start exploring? Because again, going back to the earlier comment about, why this is so difficult to teach in schools is that you can't write a textbook on what we're talking about. You know, textbooks are not, you know, futuristic in nature. And so, you know, you're only going to learn that by doing and by, you know, having these conversations. So if we can start exposing them um, to kind of where this is all going and, you know, skating where the puck is and and all that fun stuff, then I think um, it'd be great for them. And then, you know, obviously once they identify their niche or if they've already sort of found that, then, you know, obviously using them internships to dive into more tactical conversations or training opportunities that can ultimately help them stand out. So it's, it's a certainly a competitive world um, and there's a lot of people buying for these jobs, but, um, you know, anything we can do to give them a, a step ahead would be great. Sean, this has been such great stuff. Thanks for coming on the show and introducing us to your world with so much depth and precision. And it's just so interesting to to learn about different avenues that people can pursue and different ways to be connected to the sports industry. So thank you for sharing so much of your world and coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Sean for coming on the show. Like I said in the intro, what a great mix of someone who is willing to share pointed information about his actual career path and revenue optimization and advanced advertising and what that all means and takes, but also just the broader concept of advice for working in the sports industry. Somebody is willing to stick out there and say, all right, think about these things, try this thing, you know, learn this skill and you'll be better off for it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I look forward to the next time that you get to listen to a podcast of ours.